Hi, and Happy New Year. We are January 1st, 2021 today, and I know everyone is feeling some hope that this year will bring with it some positive forward movement and hopefully some return to our old way of normal. That said, I think we all learned a lot in 2020, and we just can't discount the lessons learned, the resilience, the hard work, and the found strength that so many of us experienced this past year. Anyway, to day one of 365 new days and new opportunities. And today on this day, I'm so excited to bring with you a bonus and previously totally unplanned first episode of the podcast with returning guest Whitney Guerra. Today we are talking all about nutrition, emotional eating, and fasting, and how we can make more intentional and deliberate choices when it comes to our food. I won't babble on anymore so we can jump right into what was an awesome conversation with Whitney. So once again, Happy New Year, and I can't wait to spend many, many more hours with you over the next 365 days. Much love, guys. Welcome to Vino and Vaginas, the podcast. I'm your host, Cassie Dion, and I'm here to bring you interviews from the absolute best and brightest in their field, all about issues related to being a woman, from health and fitness to sex and dating and everything in between. My mission at Vino and Vaginas is to explore these topics, health, sexuality, and everything related to being a woman in a fun and safe environment free of shame, embarrassment, or stigma. It's going to be an amazing time. Now, let's get to it. Hi, and welcome back, Whitney. I'm so excited to have you on today for this special bonus podcast all about food, nutrition, and emotional eating. So thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Oh. And just so our listeners know, this podcast wasn't actually planned, or at least it wasn't planned as it turned out, right? Yeah, true. <laughs> it was actually born from a personal conversation that we had uh, one day when we were just shooting the shit, really, and talking about our own journeys and our own feelings towards food and what our weaknesses were. And it was just this really great, frank, real conversation. And that sparked more discussion and ultimately led to this podcast. So I'm very excited that we're sharing it with the world. Uh, and actually, I remember that conversation, which actually morphed into, I believe, a two-hour conversation. It wasn't that long. <laughs> it was. And I remember you saying to me, I have something to tell you, and you're, and you're not going to like it. And you admitted that you were weighing yourself every month as a check-in. And then that snowballed into a whole conversation about food and letting um, go of some of the norms and the ideologies and the strategies that we previously have talked about and what is actually realistic and what is actually getting you to this incredible place that you've gotten to. A lot of people have commented on your transformation recently um, and then led to the development of this new kickstart program. So so exciting. It's true. And I think what that conversation showed is there's a lot of similarities in people's journeys, but there's also a lot of differences and what works for some people doesn't necessarily work for others. And, yes. and having that flexibility and that understanding of that fact is awesome because you see a lot of, I mean, you see it right now all the time on Facebook. This is what you have to do from this trainer. And the truth is it's not cookie cutter. And even though principles can be kind of generally accepted, we have to accept that people are motivated differently, right? Yeah. And I also um, know now from doing this first, again, going back to I'm a fitness dinosaur for coaching nutrition for a very, very long time. There's a lot of nutrition dogma of you're not eating enough or you should snack or should you snack or don't weigh yourself, throw out your scale or but should you be checking in on your scale? And it's so confusing. And so what this program is really focused on is helping you discover what you need and what's best for you, but also getting rid of some of the old beliefs and getting into some of the new really exciting nutrition science that's happening in terms of getting people to a spot where they are really confident in what they're doing and they have a system of nutrition. And nutrition is like training. You need to train your body and there's a systematic approach. And same with um, eating. You need to train your body, and you, but you also need to know what's going to work best for you and your body and at what age you are at and what 
stage you're at as well. And absolutely, what someone can get at 16 is very different at 46. Right? <laughs> My body's changed a lot. Your body's changed a lot. Um, there are a lot of different factors. So it's not a diet approach that everyone should just follow this or follow that. So Absolutely. And I think we just need to backtrack a teeny bit um, and tell our listeners that, you know, having this conversation that we had and that two hour admission of guilt for some things <laughs> and uh, it led to what we are going to talk about more today and what you alluded to already is a nutrition program, right? It kind of birthed this program that we're really excited to talk about and we'll, we will talk about it a little bit more today in addition to some, you know, of our journeys and some key nutrition things people should know, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. All right, so I want to ask you, Whitney, you've had obviously quite the journey yourself, personally, professionally, when it comes to food and nutrition. So tell us about that journey. So I have struggled with my weight for a very long time. Um, I, I actually wrote an article about this for the Huffington Post. My mom actually had an eating disorder and was hospitalized in her 20s for anorexia. So... I grew up with um, a role model who also struggled and was hypervigilant about helping me with my nutrition, but we approached it um, on a different path, and that path started in grade seven, which was very young to be doing this. I was I went to see a dietitian. She was worried about me. I was really upset about my weight, and I started weighing my food. I started measuring my ketchup that I would take to school. And that began my journey. It was, looking back, it was far too young to be doing that. But it led me to this point where I can help people. And also, if someone asks, hey, how many calories are in this? I know, because I've been doing it for a long time. Um, there, Anyone who is my age, which is very young, I'm only 40, <laughs> um, will remember little calorie counter books that you used yes. to have. Um, there were little tiny mini ones that you could tell. And they had, away. some of them had the wheel that you, yeah. I totally forgot about that <laughs> wheel. So, and then I evolved into trying different diets. You name it, I've tried it. Blood type. I've, I've either tried it or read about it out of interest, first of all. Um, and now it's done me very well as a coach to be knowledgeable about all the different diets. And it's confusing. It's confusing as F. I'll try not to swear. Um, because it's always a cyclical approach of low carb and Atkins and this and that, and now it's keto. And I can understand why people are so confused. I used to be very confused. I went through, I just posted some pictures on Instagram. I went through a phase where I was running a lot. I was trying to eat, um, I was trying to carb load for my running. Uh, I was training so much. I was training to burn off calories. And it again, that's just an old school thought of what you need to do for fat loss. And you don't. Mm-hmm. And it's a different approach I want to really con- convey. And the message I want to convey is that you don't have to fall into some of the traps that I've fallen into and maybe you've fallen into as well. Totally. Um, so yeah, my journey started in, in grade seven measuring <laughs> my ketchup. Um, but uh, here I am, and I'm super happy and excited to be sharing a new and different approach and one that is definitely more sustainable. For sure. Um, yeah. For sure. That's very cool. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, and we in the show notes, I can post, I can have you post, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, damn it. Um, uh, the article I did, hmm. I'll post the article I wrote for the Huffington Post, um, talking about my mom and... Uh, talking about that as well. Very cool. Well, right now, what our listeners don't know, it's New Year's Eve, and we are about to kick 2020 to the curb. Okay, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> bye Right? So you guys are probably listening to this on New Year's Day or maybe after. So I would be remiss not to bring up or mention emotional eating because we have been through, what's the word of 2020? Unprecedented. (laughs) We have all been through this stressful, unprecedented pandemic and so many people have struggled and so many people are, you know, turning to food and eating emotionally. And my question for you is why? Why do we do it? Why do we reach for food for comfort? And, And why do we find ourselves doing this emotional eating? 
Food is comforting. And when you think about, it's actually interesting. Uh, think about a funeral, for example. Um, and that's a weird example to think of, but I'm just going to go there. People bring food to you out of comfort. There's comfort food at Christmas time. Um, what are your favorite traditions? And everything is so focused around food, and food is celebratory. But food can be comforting. Mm-hmm. I um, recently bought a box of Cheerios. I used to sit and eat Cheerios and watch Sesame Street, and my mom would pour a little bowl mm. of Cheerios for me, and that was my comfort. And so we all have memories in terms of foods that have given us feelings. Feelings. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we were actually just talking about this before because you were saying you were... Yeah, I have just had a really stressful week and I don't know why, I just have wanted mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. <laughs> and it's not even like it's, I probably have mac and cheese once every three years, but I wanted mac and cheese. And for me, I recognize that before I purchased it. It wasn't something I regretted, right? I made the conscious decision to say like, this is comfort eating. Mm-hmm. Am I okay with that? You know what? I actually am totally okay with that. I'm not going to buy the crappy KD. I'll go to Farm Boy and get like a little bit health, not that it's healthy, but a little bit better yeah. prepared mac yeah. and cheese. Right. And so a little more real, a little more real. That's a good word for it. And yeah, I just thought, I think it's important that I recognized it before and that it's not like I'm just eating it and then like two weeks later, it's like, oh my God, I've been eating my feelings. It's like, no, this is what I want. This is why I want it, but I'm totally okay with it. And so I bought mac and cheese and I ate mac and cheese last night and I totally don't regret it. And I think that's the difference, right? So emotional eating without realizing it. So kind of like not thinking and just doing versus, yeah, I'm okay with this. And it's as long as it doesn't become a habit, right? If I eat mac and cheese every day, that's not good. But if I do once every year because I just want it, I'm okay with that. And I think the biggest thing you, the biggest, what I just pulled from that is you stopped and you thought about it. Totally. And you gave yourself permission to, mm-hmm, yeah, I'm I even give t- myself I even took to. a picture of it. Like, this is my comfort food today. Yeah. <laughs> and I sent it yeah. to someone because I'm like, yep, this oh is. Oh my goodness, <laughs> we're actually, I would love to start uh, a little thread where we do that. Um, <laughs> a, a yellow box of Cheerios yeah. is comfort to me. That would be awesome if people could just, if we could all share our comfort foods. Yep. Um, It's interesting that yours is mac and cheese. Which I have no idea why. I I loved KD as a kid, like Kraft Dinner, right? Like from a box. I love that. And if you're not team, if you're, no, 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 no. (laughs) If you're not team, cut up hot dogs in it. Like get out of here. (laughs) My roommate Ashley used to do that all the time. It's so good. And I actually didn't even want, like KD, it didn't even cross my mind. Like it would have, I think that would have made me ill actually. Um, But yeah, I don't know what it was about mac and cheese. I just wanted mac and cheese. So yeah. And uh, I'm going to take over for a second uh, because we forgot and to talk about a little bit of your journey. <laughs> My journey. And so we will talk about a little bit more about what you've been doing. But what is your journey with nutrition and fat loss and all of that stuff? Uh, well, I was always a bigger girl since I could remember. I was the biggest kid in class always embarrassed about it, always wanting to lose weight, even as, you know, grade five, right? Or probably sooner. And the funny thing is I actually always worked out in some capacity too. So I think when I was 15, my mom helped me. Mom, sorry if you're listening and this gets you in trouble in any way. But my mom, <laughs> my mom helped me lie about my age so I could work at one of the private fitness studios, work out at one of the private fitness studios in town because you had to be 16 to go solo. And so we totally fudged it. And the funny thing is I ended up working there later in life. So I had to keep pretending I was older than I was. And so I remember on my 18th birthday, which they thought was my 19th birthday, it was really difficult because I had to use my fake ID to go out. <laughs> But anyway, mom helped me lie to get into that gym. And and since that day or since I was 15, I always, you know, exercised a couple times a week. I always played basketball and stuff, but it just never changed my size. And I always struggled with it. And it really obviously came down to food. Uh, Yeah. And then I think what happened then? I found you guys, right? And your team in, so it would have been my last year of undergrad. So 2008. And I had great success. And I think a couple years later or sometime closely following that, I 
kind of got stuck on the aesthetics of it and I had a friend's wedding and it was our goal to look perfect for that wedding and so I went on a crazy crazy restrictive diet right like I'm talking I think I was down to five percent carbs a day which is insane and I knew it wasn't sustainable and I knew my body wouldn't look the same even a day after getting off of that and eating normally. And I don't mean eating garbage, I mean eating normally. Um, and it's true, it happened. I look amazing for that wedding. And then, you know, you have a glass of wine and a, a roll and everything kind of changes. And I that messed me up. That messed me up for a long time, kind of psychologically, right? It took me a long time to kind of get over that. Um, just that restrictive, it was just way too restrictive. The fact that I could need a clementine, I think that's a little crazy, right? Yeah, and just to give you a perspective, going back to someone who knows a lot about (laughs) um, nutrition content, going back to my ketchup story, two pieces of gum would also have four grams of carbohydrate or five grams of carbohydrate. Totally. So a lot of times people think they're in ketosis um, or think they're doing a low carb, but that's how how low, low can get. Absolutely. Um, I remember I couldn't eat even green vegetables, because it would put me over that 5%. And I had to eat. So anyway, it was crazy. But luckily, that's changed. So like I said, it took years to kind of get over that. And but luckily, that's finally changed. And I have a much better relationship with food. I don't restrict myself, or at least to that degree, for sure. And just make good choices, avoid unhealthy stuff. But I also don't vilify foods. And I also don't like if I want to treat if I want mac and cheese, as long as it's a deliberate and intentional choice I'm okay with it it's more if it's mindless that I'm not okay with it and I think that is a huge that's you hit the nail on you hit the nail on the head I always (laughs) get that mixed up but it's the mindless component of emotional eating Mm -hmm. that is dangerous so again going back to your mac and cheese you stopped you thought about it and then you said, no, I'm going to go ahead yeah. and have this. And I'm always a big fan and always coach clients now to say, if you want a giant piece of carrot cake, the grocery basket here has amazing carrot cake, yeah. um, go get your amazing piece of mm-hmm. carrot cake. Go get a piece. Don't buy the whole cake. Enjoy it. Sit, have a tea, enjoy it, and then let it be done. Give yourself permission totally. to do it. But then you're not going to have a piece of carrot cake every day. Totally. That's the big difference. And actually, I remember, so this past Halloween, a friend of mine was, so she knows I'm, you know, trying to be healthy and, and kind of eat well and all of that stuff. And so she brought me a single Reese's Pieces, like a candy bar or whatever. And it was really sweet because she knew I wouldn't buy it for myself and I didn't really want it. Um, but she knew that if I want, she thought if I wanted it, I would have the option of just that one and not overeating. And it was so sweet and I totally ate it and I enjoyed it. But it didn't make me want more. Whereas just last year at Halloween, if I ate one piece of candy, I would literally ruminate on it and probably go to Shopper Drug Mart and buy more. Whereas I just happily enjoyed that one and I was done. And I think that's where um, my current style of eating has allowed me to thrive, right? And so what my current is, is now, I guess we kind of skipped that part, but now I do a lot of intermittent fasting and it's changed that relationship with food. And so I enjoyed it happily, but didn't want more and didn't feel you know, like I had to use willpower to stop. And and that is key. And the other thing that used to get me all the time is I would have one in the chocolate. And then then you have the, I'm just going to swear. Then you just have the effort. Okay, maybe I won't. Uh, I'll hold myself back. Then you just have the whatever. I'm just going to go for it. I've already broken the seal. And that gets dangerous again. Mm-hmm. So it's... It's having, it's being conscious and being mindful Mm -hmm. and mindful is a good word that you used Mm -hmm. about what you're eating. And also it's respecting yourself and respecting, wait a second, I'm just going to pause and I'm I'm just going to pause and I'm just going to think about this for a second. And I believe it comes back to Mm self-respect and taking care of yourself. And if you put that as priority one, you'll always take care of other humans more efficiently and more effectively. Um, but yes, being mindful of what you're eating is super important. And we just live in a world where there's totally. food all the time, everywhere, um, totally. which we never would have, never would have had this much access to food. I personally bought because like anyone I've had some times during this crazy, crazy pandemic, 
I purchased a meditation ring and I actually really love it. You can and hear it right now. <laughs> I'm twisting it. I bought it from really awesome client owns a jewelry store in town. And I bought it because I'm trying to be more mindful when I have, I totally do that. Or I think, I get frustrated. Then you just find yourself standing in the kitchen eating something. And that's mm-hmm. not treating yourself well. Treating yourself well is making a really nice meal and sitting down at a, a table Treating yourself well isn't isn't sitting in your car just grabbing food from your purse. That's not treating yourself well. Totally. Treating yourself well is taking time for you and taking time to enjoy food. So la la la, here's my <laughs> ring just to remind me slow the f down, Whitney, yep. and then think about what you're doing. And if you want a giant peanut butter cookie, go for it. Totally. And think about if you really want it, and think about taking care of yourself. And I think that's important too, because how many times have, I mean, I've done it. I'm sure everyone's done it. You go to a party when you know you could have parties <laughs> but, oh my God. Yeah. or you're at someone's house and they have this delicious dessert in front of you, but you are being good. So you refuse, right? But you truly want it and then you don't eat it. So then you eat 17 other things to make up for yes. that and you think about it. And then Absolutely. one week later, you go buy a peanut butter cookie that if you just ate it at the first pl- in the first place, right? And I think that that was me before. I would ruminate on these things, right? And I think the thing that fasting has given me is I I just don't want it now versus having to use willpower. And as we know from the research, willpower is not endless. Willpower, you know, is in limited supply. (laughs) So I think that's one of the really great things about about fasting. And I would, so we're going to talk a little bit about fasting, but the program isn't just, whoa, just intermittent fast, it'll fix everything or it'll make you skinny or help you drop weight. Um, It's not, this isn't about that, but it gives you, the biggest, so we we can talk about how we got into the world of fasting, which was seven, eight, nine years ago now. I don't even know. Um, it 2012? It's actually 2012, you're right, at a conference in Arizona, which we'll talk about that. But fasting, and we've had lots of clients tell us this, has given them control. So it's control. There's a difference. Willpower, la, la, la. It yeah. doesn't, forget about it. It's control. So if you have control over your eating, you have control over your emotions, it makes you powerful. Mm-hmm. Not just when it comes to fat loss, but just in life. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to this. And we've all been on the roller coaster ride. So I've been riding this crazy roller coaster that I can't get off of. And there's days where I just sit in my condo and think, what's happening? And then I have to wrap my mind around, don't have a pity party. Just keep going. I wake up and have no idea what the day's going to bring. As in, your business can't be open for 28 days. Guess what? Surprise. But then you have to get over yourself, stop having your pity party, and then just move forward. And I think control over your emotions and control over food is super important. It's, it's so one important. Of the biggest. It's one of the biggest components that fasting, surprisingly, it wasn't I... It wasn't something I thought I would benefit from when it mm-hmm. came to fasting and uh, takeaway, mm-hmm. and it's huge. It's so. so huge. But yeah, we'll get definitely more into that. I feel like we've tan- tangented. Is that a word? Tangent. We've word gone on a tangent. <laughs> word of 2020, tangented. Um, we've gone on a bit of a tangent. So let's go back to that article you talked about not too long ago and the one that you asked me kindly to reference in the show notes. <laughs> um, so you recently wrote this article on nutrition. And you mentioned six different elements. So what are these elements? I mean, obviously we will refer back or I will post what that article is so everybody can go read it. But can you comment on those elements and talk to us a little bit about how this article is different from previous ones that you've written? Absolutely. As I'm a big believer that, and I believe Mike Boyle um, or Alan Cosgrove, one um, one of the amazing coaches and mentors I follow in the fitness world, talked about the fact that you can't be so married to your principles that you can't evolve and change your philosophies. And trust me, I have a lot over the past few years, but definitely when it comes to nutrition, I'd say over the past year, Mm -hmm. um, especially with your transformation that you've made. And my uh, guilty admissions. Your guilty admissions <laughs> of being on the scale. Because we've always been, we wrote an article for the Huffington Post Canada um, about getting rid of our you know, a fitness scale. And then I, you have to step back. And it this our, that conversation brought me to this program. 
Because there's a time and place for everything. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to understand that it's not, I'm going to do this or now now I'm all about this. It's changing and evolving and having, having purpose, especially in a coaching format and relevant research and data um, to present a different approach and one that you know is effective. And so these six elements are, are going to be composed into the six weeks of this program. And this is a new program. But yes, some people might read and think, wait a second, you you guys were the anti-scale people. <laughs> and you made me throw away and smash my scale. Well, I'm stepping back and saying there are some times where having a scale is useful. Should you get on it every day? Absolutely not. I'm going to say that right off the bat. I don't think that's healthy. But depending on where you're at in your fat loss journey, mm-hmm. it can be super useful. I would agree. And I, I mean... I'm the one that admitted I use it. And I find it very helpful because I do have a significant amount to lose, or I did. And so I think when you are at a bigger size, it's more beneficial than when you do get closer to your kind of, I don't want to use the word, like healthy weight, right? And so, because we know, we know, you know, you have a bowel movement and that scale is going to change. You know, you, you know, bloat one day. Like we know it changes based on water you drink and so many different things. So I don't think it's really great to do regularly, but as a, as a bit of a measure over time, especially if you do have a significant amount to lose, for me, it was helpful. And I, and I think just putting it out there as a general rule of thumb, if you're in your last 10 pounds, I was talking about this with someone um, just the other day, if you're in your last 10 pounds of where you want to be, just ish, it can be confusing because totally. your body composition will change. And that's where we actually ran an experimental post, two things. Vanessa did pictures when she did her fitness show and we took pictures the next day and if you look at the two pictures, you would swear they were six months apart. So mm-hmm. that's dehydration and all the science tricks that we did because we're nerds. Um, and the other component is when you get down to the last little bit um, of weight loss, like 10, 12 pounds, it can get very confusing because totally. there's, like you mentioned, water intake levels change. And literally, Vanessa did this experiment in a day. She changed about six pounds. Oh, yeah. So if you get on the scale and you're not where you want to be. There's so many different factors that weigh into it when you're that close to your goal. And so that's where you were mentioning your amount of weight that you lost is very large. Um, when you think about that number, Mm -hmm. but it's specific to your goals and your targets and what you want to do. Um, so does it, it's not a tool that it's not a black and white rule for everybody. Yeah. Essentially. And I think the problem and where the scale is unhealthy is so many people will perseverate on the number and that I think is what makes it unhealthy. But if you, again, just use it as a tool and don't put all your, what is like all your chips in one basket? What's that saying? All your Eggs. Eggs. <laughs> Did you say chips or chicks? Chips. <laughs> All your chips. I don't know. I knew it was something. <laughs> um, but yes, I think that's key is don't don't kind of get stuck on the number and just use it as a tool. But anyway, again, we have gone on a tangent. You go let's go back to these six these six elements. So number one is optimizing your hormones. Here is something to think about. When you are 16, what you can eat is dramatically different than what you can eat at age 40, age 46, age 56. That's a concept that most people can wrap their head around. Hormones are hugely important to fat loss, and it's not a calories in, calories out element. It's not as easy as that. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of nerdy science um, that I could go super into, but no one really wants to know. So when it comes down to it, this is where we I want to chat a little bit about intermittent fasting. It optimizes your hormones. We'll leave it at that for simplicity. Can I interrupt for one second? For some people listening, can you tell us what intermittent fasting is? Yeah, absolutely. So intermittent fasting is going periods of time without any caloric intake. Again, this could be another whole rabbit hole. There's much debate about whether coffee breaks are fast or tea or blah, 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 blah. But it's periods of time where you're not eating. And people get 
really afraid of the F word, thinking, oh my gosh, it's unhealthy. But that could just mean you're eating every single day, but just in a different schedule. Mm -hmm. Or it could mean, which is, again, very scary to think about, two-day period where you don't eat or a 24-hour period that you don't eat. Again, this isn't something that you jump into. It's a skill just like learning a squat. So you have to build into it. But intermittent fasting, simple like definition of periods of time without food. Yeah. That helps. And water, but water's okay. Water's okay. Liquids. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay, so as you said, intermittent fasting will help with hormones. And then what else were you saying? Yeah, so intermittent fasting, a lot of people, and again, this program isn't just about, oh, we're going to intermittent fast. Surprise, ta-da. <laughs> um, so intermittent fasting, we'll jump back to what we we're going to talk about, is something we went to a conference in Arizona um, to 2012, I think. Is I think was. so. Dr. John Birdie, who runs Precision Nutrition, who I highly respect, um, and his program is fantastic. Um, and what the information they put out is fantastic. He presented on intermittent fasting and everybody was eating their broccoli and chicken out of their Tupperware containers. And even the two of us looked oh, at yeah. each other and thought, this is crazy. It. This is crazy. And it's actually interesting. I remember having a chat with him before and everyone, there's breakfast, so there's oatmeal and eggs and blah, 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 and crafts of coffee out. And he wasn't eating. And I noticed that. And I was a bit aghast of, oh my God, he's not eating the most important meal of the day. Right? He's gone. He's gone bananas. He's just gone bonkers. But his research really was sound. I really respected him a lot. And then we started looking into, okay, let's open our minds up to maybe that there's something to this. There's really good research. There's really good data. And it gets back to the whole point. You can't just have a philosophy stick to your guns and just never look at anything else mm-hmm. especially in the world of fitness and health and nutrition and movement and physiotherapy and rehab and pilates things change um you're just figuring out things about the human body a very good example this is demonstrated very well in the year 2020 where we have a pandemic and everyone is scrambling yep. um it just proves the point. We don't know that much about the human body as we think we do. So we were open-minded and we thought, mm-hmm. okay, let's look more into this. And that's so it was 2012 that we first started researching, studying, self-practicing before we even started coaching a client, which probably was until 2014. Yeah. yeah. We had a client do intermittent fasting. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty uh, interesting. I'd love to actually go back and re-watch that uh... So it's funny, when I moved, I found the DVD. No! So I found the DVD. Oh, we totally have to watch it. actually have it. So we can actually, if we just find a DVD player, we could actually watch it. You know what? I might have one. No, I feel like I've got rid of it, but someone has one out there. Yeah, and we will pull out. If not, we can probably buy it for $20. Yeah, Yeah. but I actually kept it. Me. Almost threw it in this, wait a second. This this was fundamental to uh, a big shift in my nutrition philosophy. So I kept it. I have it. I love it. Okay, good. <laughs> We're totally going to watch that. January is looking up. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so you mentioned the first... So going back again, you mentioned the first element uh, was hormones. So what were the other elements you talked about in this program? Yeah, so the second one is the type of food is important. Um, And there's a lot of discussion in nutrition science these days. And there's lots of amazing podcasts and articles about this. Um, But to um, get, get to the point of this information, what you're eating is important. So if you have... Um, a protein bar that's 200 calories and a chicken breast that is weighed and measured and is 200 calories your body treats that very differently and everyone is probably nodding thinking okay yeah I get that Mm -hmm. but we didn't even understand how different so 200 calories 200 calories your body processes it very differently and the way your body reacts to it is very different so your body can be what's called metabolically confused if you're what you're eating is a chemical shit storm versus what it has to do and how it reads the chicken breast and what it does in your body when it says, okay, you've eaten this chicken breast and here we go, we're going to digest it. So the type of food is very important and that's something that has always been talked about in nutrition and diets, but it's more calorie counting. It is. So it's like if you hit this amount of, and not to, but Weight Watchers and a lot of programs is 
are it, it, it's, it's based on the concept okay you can eat this. it's like um the brownie size for jenny craig and some of the weight Law, weight watchers is really hilarious it's the same as those little like um microwave ovens that you get like the oh my gosh the easy size. bake oven it's like the easy bake oven i loved so I the like, easy bake oven you can have a chocolate but it can only be this big so it, it is different and if you think about it it makes a lot of sense it's very logical but everything is okay you only can eat 1600 calories mm-hmm. well that's really different if you eat 1600 calories of real whole food and fruits and vegetables with lots of fiber which also makes it very different in terms of your net caloric intake versus a protein shake a protein bar and processed food and that is being even addressed at a point of immune health and digestion and gut microbiome so number two type of number two is important we'll talk about it a lot in the program i'm excited okay what's number three Number three is this whole gut microbiome thing. Everyone is... This thing. Yeah, everyone is on the microbiome bus and... Should they be? Yes. You should be riding the bus. (laughs) Just wear your mask. Just wear your mask. Oh my God. Just wear your mask. It's a good bus to be on. So again, we started deep diving into gut microbiome health and what is this and why is it trending right now? It's really important, again, this is super simplistic, uh, to think about your body and what you're putting into your body. And yes, a lot of people have done pre and probiotics in a supplement form, but what they found is getting it from real whole foods gives you more diversity in your gut microbiome. So yes, you could eat protein shakes, protein bars, and, and, and take pre and probiotic pills, but what's better is to get all your micronutrients and nutrients and all your um, your food from a real whole food source. The same kind of goes for the pre and probiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, makes a very big difference. Hence the whole entry into kombucha and kimchi and sauerkraut. And I actually wrote an article that's on the website about it to get to deep dive a little bit more into it. And it seems overwhelming and it doesn't have to be. So mm-hmm. we'll also talk about how you can improve your gut microbiome and how it's not that hard and how even if you don't like kombucha, that's okay. Totally. Um, there's a million other options. So. And I love that you talk about it simply because yeah. I think it's true. You look up any nutrition article and it's so heavy in all of these. You should do this and this and, and gets to, so down into specifics and so nobody feels like they can actually accomplish it when the truth is it doesn't have to be that complicated. No, and that's the thing. It's just making it simple. Actually, it's one of the components of um, this program, but also even intermittent fasting, a lot of clients have said, it's just easy. I just, mm-hmm. it's easy. It's the, the, the easiest program you ever it's made so me follow. True. And that's music to my ears. It's um, so true. I mean, for me... I love it because I work at a job where I'm hands-on and the last thing I want to do is between clients throw some almonds in my face, right? Like <laughs> you know, 6.2 almonds in, in your Oh, yeah. So yeah. just being able to not worry about that is easy. So the microbiome matters. Uh, next one? Yeah, what's the next one? Um, so next one, um, digestive efficiency. So geeky kind of... I like geeky. Geeky um, topic. In a nutshell, did you know 70% of the population can actually digest lactose? Can or can't? Uh, Can't, sorry. 70% of the population can't. That's insane. That's a huge number. Think about it. How many times have you had this or had that and then made, I will just keep it at this, a little trip to the bathroom or you... Again, we all know where I'm going with this. (laughs) Your body, it's everyone's body is unique and digestive efficiency is what essentially what works well for you. You have a unique metabolic fingerprint and it's super powerful and hugely important to your goals to understand your own digestive efficiency and what food combinations work well for you. And everyone's different. Totally. And it's being your own. That's why journaling is really important. It's being your own detective and being your own 
guru on yourself, mm-hmm. which everyone should be their own guru. So I know if I eat blah, 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 that this is going to happen. So I just, as a rule of thumb, don't eat blah, blah, blah. Um, a good example, the lactose front I Whitney and lactose don't do that well together. Mm-hmm. So I just, I love cottage cheese. I just buy the lactose free mm-hmm. and I eat lactose free cheeses and that just works for me. Um, I don't know here and there, maybe I could have some, for sure. but I just, in general, it works well for me. My, it works well for my body. So I run with it. And that's the importance of actually being, going back to your point, mindful mm-hmm. and doing some journaling and doing some, you know, boring stuff when it comes to this to understand what your body wants and needs. And P.S., sorry to say this, that does change as you age and also just, you know, moving with the ebbs and flows of that. Oh, absolutely. And I think what I find a lot of the time is if you're eating, let's say, not the greatest, it's confusing and you, you might not have any clue that your body isn't actually feeling all that good. And it's not until you start to eat whole foods that you get that. I know last, was it last summer or last year? I don't even know. Time is weird right now. One time. But <laughs> once upon a time. Right? Like I was a serious detective because I was having crazy just like I digestion upset, right? And it was it came down to being sadly, because I love them, nightshades. And nightshades did it for me. And so I have to be careful in the in the summer when tomatoes are plentiful. I don't know. I don't remember. Are tomatoes nightshades? But they do it for me too. But tomatoes and, and peppers were plentiful because eating too much of them made me feel not great. But that's something I might not have even realized a couple of years ago, right? So... Yeah, and it's it's discovering that. Yeah, I remember helping you with yeah. your, like something is bothering me. So we just went through your food journals and totally figured that out. And again, I wish I could tell you that you can make a definitive. I can. I I will just never eat this again. It it, it does change. It changes with age and changes yep. as your body changes. But it's just knowing your body and what works well. Yeah, so that, and what's efficient for your body, right? Yeah, I was at Starbucks one day. I'll never forget. Someone ordered some crazy... Um, Cali style. Have you heard of that? Yeah. My friend loves it. Yeah. <laughs> I know she does. Um, uh, yeah, someone ordered some crazy Frappuccino, maybe Cali style drink. <laughs> and, uh, but then was popping like the lactase pills before... And it's just, I get it, every once in a while maybe, but come on, people know, everyone knows when I eat, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 mm-hmm. that you don't feel good. So it's just being, that's, that's some, and tough love is a part of this coaching program too. Sometimes you have to say, hey, my body doesn't like, mm-hmm. la, la, la. Suck it up. And so suck <laughs> it up. But you know what? There's a million other options. I Absolutely. Have, so. Absolutely. Okay. So we're down to two last elements. What are they? So, as my computer just went to sleep, I can pop back up. Um, so, how your food is prepared matters on a geeky science level. Absolutely, it does in terms of the process, the chemical process and conversion of food. But what I'm actually talking about in this concept is is how your food is prepared matters to the, your taste buds. So, if you have steamed broccoli and boiled chicken. You probably are thinking that is so boring. Mm-hmm. And it is. That's, it is. And even, I was talking um, to someone about like food prep Sunday. It's a great concept. Most people yeah. just want to watch football or hang out or watch basketball or whatever so sport and just chill on, on uh, a Sunday. So you don't, it's getting rid of, you don't need to do that. fall into that mm-hmm. trap and do that. Um but how you prepare your food is important. It's, there's a big difference between finding really awesome recipes to roast Brussels sprouts or maybe have some Brussels sprouts with a little bit of bacon or pancetta. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah. Um, and having your food taste good and absolutely vegetables are a key component of eating well. Making your making yourself fall in love with eating vegetables and eating all the healthy things, mm-hmm. which is what you have to do really to be a grown up and to take care of your body and self care is important. So it's discovering ways to find out how you can prepare food. So you like it and enjoy it because we love food and you can love food and also be lean and see fat loss goals happen. A hundred percent. You can totally possible. Yeah, it's totally possible. So how you prepare your food matters, right? Yes. Okay. And uh, last one, number six. So the concept of energy exchange also matters. So here's a good example, going back to whole food eating. 
So there's a recent study on almonds. I love almonds. I have some beside me. It was a 170 calorie portion of the almonds, which resulted in 129 calories of net caloric intake based on the metabolic rate. This demonstrates that the energy exchange concept is very important when it comes to fat loss. So to break that all down, because there are fiber, um, because there's a lot of fiber in almonds and nuts, even if you read on the package 170 calories, if you're eating whole food, and I mean, this gets into a whole discussion about the future of food labels, it's different when you're eating 170 calories of um, something pros highly processed, your body is going to accept those 170 calories and just be super confused about what to do with them. And not to get into too much of a discussion about sweeteners, but if you're having something that's really high in sweeteners or just chemicals of something that's processed with preservatives, chances are there's a lot of data on this. You're going to be even more hungry because your body's not satisfied. So you've mm -hmm. said, here's 170 calories of <laughs> I don't even know. And you can read the packages. Like reading the packages is important, but read the packages of stuff that's prepackaged. Mm -hmm. It's it's no one even can pronounce it. It's so so you're consuming things that you can't pronounce. Your body doesn't understand what the hell it is. And then most likely in an hour, half an hour, you're going to be hungry again. And there's a whole host of physiological geeky science um, factors that play into that. But this concept of energy exchange goes back to that other point of number two, the type of food you eat is super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And Whitney talks about all of these elements a little bit more in that article that I will post so you guys can all, you know, re refer back to it if you need. Absolutely. So we've talked a little bit about fasting throughout this too. So... And as you mentioned, fasting is a period of time, which can be a different period of time for different people that you go without consuming food. So tell us about the first time you ever did it. How went, how'd it go? Terribly. <laughs> I Here's my schedule in case, even if you don't want to know, I used to <laughs> wake up at four o'clock. I used to literally four, four thirty. I would have a protein shake. And then usually by eight or nine, I would have my next meal then three or four hours later, I would have, which is hard because I was coaching and working. Yeah. And I would have to eat, shove it in as fast as I could, but I was doing all the things. And so I decided I need to, I'm obviously I need to self-experiment and work through this before I even attempt coaching someone else or helping someone else. So by 11 o'clock in the morning, I thought I was going to die because I was used to eating four snacks, three, sorry, three times by that point. Um, so what and time did you start eating that day? So 11. 11. Okay. So I had missed my 4 o'clock shake. I had missed my 9 o'clock snack. Yeah. And my I typically had another snack on, somewhere in there. <laughs> um, so I just, I got, yeah, I, I thought I was lightheaded. Yeah. I had headaches. I would just, and then I realized I built myself, like, my body was craving food at that point too, because at certain times your body will just crave um, food if you're used to systemizing it and getting mm -hmm. it at that time. Um, so yeah, it was terrible. And I thought, oh my God, how do people even make it? Yeah. So, <laughs> and there's a, a style called warrior fasting where you just eat one meal at the end of the day. And I thought these people are crazy <laughs> if they do. And I was reading all these <laughs> blogs and trying to figure this out, but long story short, my body was just not used to it. It was something new. Just like when you learn to squat, your body mm -hmm. has to learn something new. So it went terribly. And I was totally convinced that I... I, I couldn't do it, but I got through the awkward phase and have mm -hmm. a lot of strategies to help other people too. That's awesome. And and it's a skill, right? It takes yeah. practice and eventually it'll feel much easier. Yeah. I'm assuming it's not painful for you anymore or terrible. No. And again, it's been such a good, I could go into, I need to write a whole other article about all the other side benefits mm -hmm. that come with fasting. When I travel, I don't have to eat, you know, a $50 hamburger that's really yep. shitty at the airport again back when we used to travel um <laughs> it's super helpful I have amazing travel times when I fast just because it it's it's easy, it, it's easy. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry and it's hard to find really healthy food choices um there's so many different other elements yeah like um, what are a few other like non-physiological benefits you've noticed for you or maybe you're for your clients yeah 
interesting ones. Uh, so the control piece mm-hmm. on food has been huge. Actually, I love working out, playing tennis, and doing physical activity. Fasted. It feels like it feels really good. Mm-hmm. And again, it took me a long time to get there. But I remember one night playing tennis, playing doubles tennis. I had tacos, um, which was a poor choice. And then I played tennis an hour later, and I thought I was going to die. Oh, no. Um, But it actually feels good when your body's used to it. I don't always train fasted. Absolutely not. Um, But I do like not having a lot. Um, Teeth. So we've had clients, many clients, go to the dentist. And the dentist, I said, what have you done? Your teeth look incredible. You have way less plaque. And I don't have to tell you the bad news that you have a cavity. And when you think about it, how many times throughout the day do we have little bits and snacks? And then who, who brings their toothbrush places? Right. I know, if you do no judgment, that's really amazing. But when you're eating and snacking throughout the day, it's really impossible to te- keep your teeth clean. So that's another side benefit. The other thing that's, again, there's so many. I'm going to write a big list out and ask some of my clients because we've had many, many clients adopt this Um a style that works for them and have really great results. Um, the whole financial aspect. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I'm not telling you go buy this expensive supplement, supplement, whatever it is. And you're more efficient with your food in terms of I'm, I live on my own. So then I just prepare my groceries for my eating strategy that I eat and it doesn't cost you anything. Totally. Um, yeah, so it's the cheapest diet you will ever <laughs> That is on. definitely true. Absolute sure. Yeah. So. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. And time hacking. Oh, sorry, I'm jumping in one more. So it's efficient. I wake up, I have a coffee, boom, I'm at the door. Mm-hmm. So from a scheduling life perspective, um, again, that's really great. Oh, yeah. Like, I know for me, I like waking up and sitting down and enjoying a coffee instead of just throwing it in a to-go cup. And that, like, that's important. That's a 30 minutes that I love in the morning. But it's lovely that I can just get up and do that. And it's not making a shake or putting on the loud blender or, you know, putting something together. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. But I'm gonna I'll do a list because we came up one day at the studio um, when it was <laughs> when it was open and when I, we weren't in shutdown about all the different things we've noticed mm. from a, a bunch of clients who um, started intermittent fasting and yeah. yeah it was really interesting. There was a bunch that I didn't even think of. So, so fast. And I know for me, like I've been telling people for four weeks now that I'm excited for Christmas baking and not feeling upset about it, not guilty. Like I'm totally going to eat some Christmas baking. Of course I don't bake. And (laughs) luckily I have a wonderful client who made me this beautiful, um, tray or not tray, but container of baking. And it was interesting. I I definitely tried it and enjoyed some, but the rest is in my freezer. Whereas two years ago, I would have like, that would have been gone by now. Right. And so now I know it's there, but I don't feel tempted by it because of fasting. Right. I, I, it doesn't have control over me, but then if I ever do want it, I have it in the freezer and I can pop in. Yeah. So I think that's a huge thing for me and, and a huge benefit is just having that, that control. Yeah. And that's a good hack. Sometimes people will bring me treats and bring me things. And if I'm a don't want it um, or B fasting, I just I'll just freeze it. Yeah. And it's actually uh, one of my friends, Abby, told me that she even likes cookies better when they're frozen. And so they freeze a lot of cookies. But even if you bake, it's like, again, going back to that control piece. Yeah. Bake and have some make some cookies, freeze them. Totally. It's just, Coming up with good strategies um, that, no, you don't need to eat a whole batch of cookies. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. If anybody... So I was planning to see my family for Christmas, and so I bought... From one of our local restaurants, Black Dog, they have this amazing Christmas meal. So I bought it and it's a dinner for four. But then, of course, lockdown, COVID, I did not see my family. So I have four pieces of cheesecake in my freezer, too. So, like, really, if anybody needs some baked goods, like, come to my house because I have a lot in the freezer. But, again, that's something I could never have had before in my freezer. Oh, I couldn't have had it in the house. Crazy, eh? Yeah. 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 All right, Winnie, what is the one thing you want to change when it comes to health and fitness and how we approach it? Uh, yeah, I've been talking about this a lot with some new clients, the concept of, yes, you can have it all, and you can. I, I want people to stop thinking about fitness and nutrition and health and fitness as something that has to be an all or nothing. You, 
and sorry, I, I'm not articulating this well. You can have it all. I don't I, an all or nothing in terms of I have to be extreme and I have to go on this diet and okay, so I need to do an hour of stretching, then I need to do an hour of cardio, then I have to do an hour of weights, and that's just what I have to do to to get my body working efficiently. No, you can have it all in terms of the sense that it programming is key. So your nutrition program is key. You can totally be lean and enjoy wine here and there mm-hmm. and enjoy a cheesecake um, that you maybe just took out of your freezer. <laughs> you can Do you want have some it. to go? Yeah, um, <laughs> maybe. Uh, you, you can have it all, but you don't have to have that, like, I'm all or nothing approach in terms of, like, I'm doing this extreme diet. I'm on it or I'm off it. You can, there's a, a balance. There's a sense of balance, but you can have it all with that sense of balance if you're on the right program. Actually, one of my clients said to me the other day, um, I had this in my notes, if he, he's like, I don't, if I eat shit, I feel like shit. And it's just like this, you know, it's, it's just really straight up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's not a drink wine every night and you can have whatever you want all the time. It's that sense of balance, but you can't, you can have it all. You can have flexibility um, with your nutrition and literally with your fitness if you're doing the right things. Yeah. So a lot of my new clients come in and they say, not only am I stronger, am I leaner, do I feel more fit? I can play with my kids now and keep up with them. I can touch my toes. And that's huge because huge. in two hours a week, three hours a week, um, the program that they're following is working all of those elements. Strength, fitness, mobility, flexibility, um, conditioning. It's working all of those things. And that's what we can do with nutrition as well. Mm-hmm. You can actually, yeah, from your food, get really good nutrients. So you're not taking 8 million supplement pills and lined up with your prebiotic and your probiotic and all of, you can actually enjoy some wine and food freedom totally. if you're following the right program and plan. And I think it's a whole new evolution of health and fitness. And especially this pandemic has really highlighted mm-hmm. how important it is to put self-care at the top and take care of your health because Mm -hmm. yes I'm so excited for everyone to get the vaccine but it's not magical we do have to take care we have own we need to have ownership on our own health and it's really important that we get a vaccine when we're our healthiest because it's it's not it's like anything it's not magical we have we have to put in the work too um to take the best care of ourselves and that comes with the movement that we do every day and the nutrition what we're food is medicine food is medicine it's so true yeah it's so true that's amazing you've talked i have two more questions for you (laughs) so this is the penultimate question you've talked a little bit about this program throughout and alluded a little bit to it can you just give us a little bit of info about the program if in case any of our listeners are interested in joining it can people do it from anywhere? Is it online? Do they have to be in Kingston? Yeah. So it is, you can do it from anywhere on the planet. It's six weeks. Like each week we'll address one of the six elements um, that we talked about in this podcast. It's in the article. Um, and yes, I everyone will um, be in a group together. So community support super huge, mm-hmm. but also working on their own goals with me as, as their coach. Awesome. So, yeah. That's very cool. Are we going to have like the photos of mac and cheese and Cheerios in there too? Absolutely. <laughs> I want to see people's comfort food because I love, I, I actually think it's, yeah. it's a great idea. It's, it's fun. Because we all have comfort food. It's like our um, TT community question was what's your favorite baked good for Christmas? Because people have memories around that. Absolutely. Yeah. And mine, uh, yeah, like I, I, yeah, it's, 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 I'm excited to do that. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. So last question. So we've talked a lot about, we talked a lot in this episode and I think it's been amazing and I think it'll be really important information for a lot of people to hear. So I'm really excited for everybody to be armed with this info as we enter 2021 and focus on bettering our health. And I think another important thing is focusing on self care, self love and kindness. I think that's a big thing. So of everything we've talked about today, what are the three thoughts, comments, pieces of advice, or homework you would give to our listeners to end with? Ooh, you didn't tell me you were going to ask me this question. You're sneaky. <laughs> um, I don't know if we'll be, I'll just, I'll just go with it. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, this concept of what I just talked about, yes, you can have it all. I want people to know that you, at any age and stage in life, you can change the way you move. You can change the way you look. That is super, super important to wrap your head around. So mm-hmm. many times people come in and say, I'm this age or that age. I just, I just saw my, one of my clients um, today for a stretch because um, the studio is not open. He's 82 and he, he has pretty great movement for an 82 year old mm-hmm. and he puts in the time and effort uh, and I love that and I love working with him and it's going to make me cry. But at any age and stage in life, you can make a change. Um, I think that it's, I don't want people to be frustrated anymore. Mm -hmm. And I come out of this as, it's actually interesting. Maybe this is a number two. I don't know even know what number (laughs) I'm on. Someone asked me the other day um, if I could do any, if I was a millionaire, what what I would do. And I actually said, and I'm not, like, it's just, Sorry, if this is cheesy, I would continue doing what I do. Maybe not as many hours a week or That's hours a day. That's what I said too, yeah. And you said the same thing. Yep. And I really believe that. And if I ever had a shadow of a doubt, this year really highlighted that because I wouldn't have done all the things I've done. Mm-hmm. Bought a business, stuck with a business, had business shut down, um, worked crazy hours. I really love what I do. And I come from a place where I just want to help people feel better because... People, I just got a testimonial from one of my amazing virtual training clients, Allison, and just about how much, like, how much better she feels. And her son sometimes comes in to our virtual training sessions, and I see him. And this morning he did a plank with Aww. us. We don't do planks um, very often, but he showed me his little plank. <laughs> um, we, we train planks with movement, anyways. It's just geeky trainer stuff, but I love that. And he sees his mom investing the time to train and it just oh man I just loved it um it's so awesome and it helps her be a better mom and take care of herself and so that's the power of fitness and health and it's not as much as we're talking about fat loss Mm -hmm. I'm all about helping clients hit fat loss goals but there's so much more you learn on the journey and I think even for you like and and for me I feel I feel good and I feel good because of my physical transformation but all the other lessons I've learned along the way and even helping the humans that I help with coming back from injuries like you do Mm -hmm. um yeah I'm just super passionate about what I do and this is a big piece because I've been frustrated I've been there Mm -hmm. I've put on a pair of jeans and they don't fit anymore and yeah it sucks but you can just make a change and do something about it I love it that's amazing Thank you so much, Whitney. Do you have anything that we missed that you want to say? Or I think we covered it pretty well. Uh, I think so. What about you? You have had, um, yeah, you've had a pretty big transformation. And I'm super proud of you, first of all. Thank you. Do you, you. have anything you want to say on that front? Because people keep saying, oh, my God, I saw Cassie <laughs> the other day. And she looks incredible. And she looks so different. <sighs> and we posted some pictures. But... That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think it's just, I think you have to be ready. I think you do. And I think for me, I actually have a, a knee injury that has prevented some physical activity that it, like, right. So it has made training as hard as I'd like to train difficult. And let's be honest after the lockdown. So I trained really well during the lockdown. Like I trained every day outside when the first lockdown, I should say, um, when I was unemployed because we had to be, (laughs) but like when I went back to work, it was exhausting. So in June, when I went back to work, I could barely have the, I barely had the energy to respond to all the messages on my phone. I was so tired from, you know, just working and being on my feet and my job is very physical and everything like that. So it took a while before I actually got back into training. So I think I probably didn't train. Oh, this is kind of sad to say, but June, July, and even August, like I think it was probably three months that I maybe had like two workouts on my Apple watch. It was terrible. Like if you looked at it, it wasn't up there, but I continued to see progress because I was, you know, eating well and and practicing fasting and taking care of myself in other ways. And do I think that's the best thing? No, I think it's important. And I do like to make sure I'm training regularly, but I think, I think there's things that derail us. And I think it's important that people realize if you have something that derails you, whether it's being exhausted or stressed or injured or whatever, there's a lot of other ways we can control, stay in control. Right. And I, I think that's kind of what I learned from this summer I guess but and it is I just to make a a note it is I think 
a lot of, I love fitness, obviously, and training your body is super important, but people see that as the gateway to, only gateway to fat loss. Mm -hmm. And you prove the point because you've lost a, a lot of weight and haven't really been following a regimented training schedule. And it just speaks to the importance of how nutrition really is the front piece. Totally. And I'm not suggesting you should just not work no. out ever for so many reasons, obviously. Um, but I think people, this concept of burning calories off and, oh, I ate this, so I'm going to go work it off. Um, that needs to change. And you're okay. a really great example of someone who hasn't been following a crazy fitness program, mm -hmm. but because you place so much importance on your nutrition and the elements of this, um, program that we're working on and really followed this in terms of your gut microbiome health, in terms of your types of foods that you've been eating and your diligence to mm -hmm. it, that's how you've been super successful. Yeah. And I think that's, that's key. And, um, so that's kind of my only comment, but other than that, I'm excited for this program. I'm excited to do the six weeks with all of you guys yeah. and to hopefully meet some really cool humans that are, want to join this journey with us. So, yeah. And I've gotten some food journals and I've gotten four apology emails saying, I'm really sorry. Don't be sorry. Um, absolutely. I've gotten food journals with six turtles uh, for breakfast or whatever chocolate candy is out, whatever you have to just let. And maybe that's my third element to answer there you your go. question. You got to let what happened yesterday, day by day. Yep. That is my motto. And with this, you've just got to let go whatever history that you have, learn from it and then just move forward. And that's super key. That's just like a life thing I think um, a good that life I've thing. learned lately, as, as of late. As of late. What good advice. Well, thank you so much, Whitney. I have loved chatting with you today. And I really think a lot of our listeners or all of our listeners are going to take some really important things away from this. So I'm super excited. And yeah. hopefully they join us on this journey. Yes. Thank you. Right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye.